Thank you for tuning into this teaching. We hope this message blesses you. Our mission as Marigold Church is to do anything and everything so that anyone and everyone can encounter the real Jesus. We hope as you listen to this, you encounter the real Jesus. Let him transform your mind, transform your heart, and encounter you today. Paul and Jen really, truly do mean the world to me and my family. And our life is truly better for having them in it, without a doubt. So I thank you, Paul, who's not here, who's going to watch my recording maybe, (laughs) hopefully. And I thank Jen. I thank you guys from the bottom of my heart, truly, to allow me to, to give me this, you know, just one for your friendship but then two for this invitation, this invite to share your pulpit and share with your congregation and and just for this opportunity. Um, When I think about the invites, you know, and that's just Paul giving me this invite. I think about invitations, which I named my, my sermon today. It's all about the invite, right? And so when I'm thinking about invitations, I think about a series of invitations that have changed my life, right? And then the one I can think of, that set me on a trajectory that I never knew I was being set on. But um, it was, my dad was, my, well, I grew up a military brat. My dad my, spent 21 years in the military. And um, I was born in Japan. I lived in Minot, North Dakota. From Minot, North Dakota, I moved to Great Falls, Montana. From Great Falls, Montana, we moved out to Texas. And it's out to Texas and Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock, Texas is what I call home, Reckham Tech. We didn't make it to the... Final four, the, the championship, but hey, man, we got in the dance, right? But um, the, that's where I planted my roots. My dad retired out in Lubbock. So I planted my roots there, you know, and it's, it's what I call home. My mom still lives there. I met all my best friends there, you know, and um, it's, just where I, it's just what I call home. And, but we moved there during the summer, right, because we always, dad was like, we, you make friends, next thing you know, you're getting transferred, so it was the summer before my sophomore year in high school. What a horrible time to move, right? I mean, I just got all my friends in, in middle school looking forward to high school. Nope, you're moving, right? And so here we moved during the summer, just ready for school to start. I just want to meet somebody. So finally school starts, right? And I get schools going. I'm an athlete. I can't wait to get football in. So I, I joined the football team. Right now, goal, now I'm starting to meet some people. School's getting its groove on, you know. So then here I am, I'm just a, just chilling out the house on a normal Tuesday night, just wondering where the year is going to go, where my high school year is going to go, and high school season and all that. And, and all of a sudden, on a Tuesday night, a random Tuesday night, I get this, this knock on the front door, and I'm like, "Well, who is it?" You know, and I'm doing what all kids do at 16, chilling out on the floor watching TV. So I go answer the front door, and there's this guy. This kid, I say this kid, I'm 16, he's 16. I'm looking at him, he goes, hey, man, what's going on? I said, not much, man, what's going on with you? He says, hey, I'm, and I'm thinking, who is this guy? He's like, hey, I'm Jackie Black. Hey, Jackie, how you doing, man? He goes, hey, so I know you're new in town, so I thought I would invite you to Young Life. And I'm like, Young Life? What is it? You know, he's like, he trying to explain a little bit. And so at that time, Young Life was brand new. It's big now. You know, but at that time, they had just started getting into high schools. And so here I am. He gives me this invite to go to Young Life. And so I'm like, hey, well, hey, Mom, you care if I go with Jackie Black? Where are you going? Young Life. Young Life. How long are we going to be gone? 
couple, couple hours, you should be gone. That's okay, go ahead. So off I go, man. I get to this Young Life thing, and I get there, and I'm thinking, hey, this is pretty good, man, 15, 20 people. I'm like, yeah, there's some good-looking girls in here, too. I kind of I like this thing. I'm kind of like digging this, man. I can do this, you know? It's on a Tuesday night, and so they sing a few songs, and, you know, Kim Talley, this guy that leads Young Life, he shares a little message. I'm thinking, all right, this is cool. I'm digging this. And then this goes on every Tuesday night during high school. So this Tuesday night, and then at the end of the school year, they start thinking, they start talking about summer camp. I'm like, summer camp? I've never been to summer camp. Summer, that, can we go to summer camp? I go, can I go summer camp? I don't know. Can we afford summer camp? You know, so I'm talking to my parents, man. And so we go off and we get to summer camp and everything. And it's like, so now I get to go to summer camp. I'm at Young Life Summer Camp. We do all the things that summer camp people do, right? You swim, you do activities, man. You, 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 you play kickball, you ride horses, ropes course, man. You, you, you do all the zip line, all that fun stuff. And then every night they correlate in the auditorium and they give, they sing songs, man. You know those camp songs, right? Rocky Top, you'll always be home sweet home to me. Good old Rocky Top, Rocky Top, Tennessee. You know, I'm like, and there's a few worship songs there too. I mean, it is, it is young. But I remember Rocky Top, right? And then it correlates with a message at the end. Well, on the final night, it's the same thing. You get the music. There's a message. And at the end of this message, this guy starts talking about Jesus. And every night we talked about Jesus. But this night, it's like he's talking about a relationship with this guy. I mean, come on, man. I mean, I've been to church every Sunday. My, I, you know, I was born and raised up in the Catholic Church. I know the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, I got this. But he starts sharing about a relationship with him that I'd never heard before. So he gives me this invite, this invitation to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never even fathom that before so here i am 16 years old at summer camp and i'm thinking i don't know what this is dude but i'm praying this thing and i'm sitting there and i mean there's like kids from all over the country there i mean from all different states there must be like 700,000 of us there and so i'm sitting there praying this prayer in front of all my peers and stuff and, and then the next thing i know the guy says okay so on the count of three you know if you want to stand up and profess your faith that you prayed this prayer it's like you're all right and said so, i don't know what compelled me but i mean on the count of three it's like i just stood up man i was like yeah that was me and i'm thinking whoa and i and i just accepted christ my sophomore year in high school but there's one thing i said i wish that i had been strong enough to walk that thing completely out i wish that i had been strong enough to just that's it, I'm on a path for Jesus, and I'm sold out. But I wasn't. And I had, I had that struggle when I got back from summer camp, right, and peer pressure kicks in. You know, I'm two weeks, I'm good, but then all of a sudden, you know, I'm struggling, and I kind of go back to what I do, you know, back to partying, back to girls, back to that thing. You know, and I, I wish I'd have been strong enough to just carry on, but I just think about all the invitations. I think about that invite. You know, that set me on a path, you know, and that I do look back and wish I'd been strong to walk out. But then I think about there's so many invites in the Bible, right? I mean, when I think about the invitations, of course, I think the one we think about immediately is, of course, Jesus walking up on the disciples, you know, out there doing their thing, you know, and just inviting, you know, and just going out there and invites Peter and Andrew and James and John to follow him. And so I'm just going to read from the book of Mark, uh, Mark 1, 16 through 17. 
It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Fish for people. That had to sound so strange to them. But at once, they left their nets and followed him. When they had gone, when he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them. And they immediately left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. I mean, just dropped everything and just followed him. I mean, for us today, in this day and age, I mean, if Jesus walked up on me and I knew it was him, I mean, I would just, it'd be an easy ask. I mean, why not? I mean, right? I know, I've heard, I have the benefit of knowing you, the benefit of hearing about you. I mean, that's an easy ask for Jesus to ask me. But for them, that was a big ask. This stranger walks up on them and invites them to follow him. They drop everything. I mean, these guys are professional fishermen. This is what they do every day. Every day they drop their nets. Every day they catch fish. Every day they clean fish. Every day they sell the fish. Every day it's what they do day in and day out. And, and they drop everything and leave, their fa- and leave that. And, and, that's how, and it's how they provide for their families. You know, yeah, that's right. They have families. And they dropped everything and just left and walked with Jesus and started following him. And I just think, you know, I just think, man, what an invitation. And they had no idea the way it was going to change their everyday life, their everyday routine, and set them on a great adventure. I mean, the courage of these men to accept that invite and just leave everything, especially their families, behind and follow Jesus. You know, I kind of wonder what a strange man walking up on me inviting me to just drop everything what compels me to leave everybody i know my family behind and follow this man i'm going to read in galatians um galatians 5 22 23 it says this but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control and against such things there is no law i mean there's that fruit of the spirit all those things that correlate i want to share a story um i was a financial advisor for about 10 years and about five years of that i spent with smith barney and um so we had an onboarding, you know, when you got hired with Smith Barney, you do this onboarding with all the employees and stuff. And so what they did is they sent us out to Hartford, Connecticut. So they sent us out to Hartford, Connecticut, man, we're out there doing our thing. You know, there's about 30, 40, 50 of us in this class and they're teaching all this stuff. Well, then one day they um, invite us to, you know, to get on a Greyhound, we take on a Greyhound and they take us straight to the heart of New York City down in the financial district. And so we're in there just trying to get the heart and the beat of things, you know, as your financial advisor, what, what, the, what, the, what the heart of the financial district looks like. And so we're spending a day out there, and then we're in this class, and about halfway through the day, a gentleman, older gentleman walks in, and he's going to share with the class. And they've been talking about him coming to share. And so as he walks in, there's just something I'm looking at. I'm thinking, man, there's something different about this dude. 
I don't know what it is, but you, something different about him. And I, I got a guy, Rick, next to me. I've been talking to him all, all during the week, and he's like, he's a professed atheist. You're right? And he's, I'm talking to him. And so this old gentleman comes in, and he starts sharing. And, um, and I'm sitting there looking at him thinking, what is it about this guy? He's sharing about his journey with Smith Barney, how he's loved serving the families at Smith Barney, how he loved getting to know the families, how he loved getting to know their kids, how he loved, you know, just his whole heart and soul about how he loved what he did and how he loved serving the families that he took care of and helped them financially. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I don't know what it is about this dude, but if he asked me to go to battle... Right now, to drop everything, I'm like, I'm all in, bro. I, I don't know what it is about you, but I'll drop everything. I got your six. I will follow you to battle. And I could only think that that's what happened with the, with the disciples when Jesus walked up on them, a stranger, and he asked them, will you follow me? Follow me. And they dropped everything. They, they had to feel that fruit of the Spirit, that peace that joy, that love, that kindness, that forbearance, that gentleness, that self-control. It had to be oozing off them. It had to be palatable. I mean, they probably felt it, smelt it, tasted it. It was so thick. And they said, yes, I will follow you. And I just think of all the miracles they got to see as they walked with Jesus. Everything they got to be a part of. Maybe, the, and, and you know what I'll share with you right now is maybe there's nothing spiritual about what I'm about to say. But I, but I don't think, and, and it's just me, but maybe I don't think it was all the miracles and everything that they saw that just made their, you know, because it blew, you know, it blew their minds. I mean, you know, they would see the blind gain sight. They would see the lame walk. They would see individuals raised from the dead. They would see demons cast out. And all these miracles, and I just had to blow their mind. And then to hear as they're walking with them to say, oh, by the way, you have the authority to do this. And they're just trying to grasp all this. But I don't think it was those things, to me, that drew them so close to Christ that they thought, I stand with you forever. I'm, this is my thing. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm walking this thing out, and I'm going to stand here, and you're gonna, I'm going to be changed. And it's what I set my ground and my faith on and everything. No, I, I think it was the humanity of Christ. I think it was his human side. His grace and his mercy, because as humans, we feel that, you know. And, I, and don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, Jesus is 100% just. There are consequences for your sins, but he's also 100% merciful and 100% grace in him. And so I think about that. And what they thought, and I thought, wow, I follow this. And I'm going to share a story with you. And I think it's, it's one of those moments where they thought, man, you are different. I can follow you. This, I can, I can relate to this, my man. And then, so in the book of John 8, 1 through 11, I'll share this with you. It says, Jesus returned from the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. And a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman whom they had caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, 
they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says we should stone her. What do you say? Now, I want to I stop there because there's twice in that, those little passages, there's twice where they say caught in the act of adultery. Caught in the act of adultery. Now, I can only think if I'm caught in the middle of the act of adultery, it ain't looking good, you know? And I'm thinking, what'd they do? Boom, they bust in the door. They catch this woman right in the act of adultery. She's naked. They grab her and they drag her down the street naked in front of a crowd and then throw her in front of Jesus and say, what do you say we do? What the law of Moses is? What do you... I mean, he's Jesus. He's God, but he's also flesh. And he's the son of, man, of, you know, son of God, but he's also flesh, God in the flesh. So I bet, and I could only think that I could almost see the the redness rise up Jesus' neck and his ears start to get burning red, you know? And he wanted to go, oh, gee, oh, God on somebody, original God on somebody, right? But instead, what does he do? He drops to the ground. It says they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, going, oh, gee, going, oh, God on somebody, right? But Jesus stooped down and started writing in the dust with his finger. Now, there's many sermons out there, many theologians they talk about, and that's another sermon for another day, but there's many people who talk about theologians, they talk about what was he writing, right? Some say that he was writing the names of the individuals along with their sin in the dust. And that's just, and there's many different correlations. You talk to many theologians, they'll tell you many different things, but that's a sermon for another day. So he started writing in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. And I think he said it with authority. All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the one, he says, woman, where are your accusers? Did not even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus says to her, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. You see, I think it was those moments that the disciples saw Jesus, saw the man they called the Messiah, saw the man who they thought was going to come and rule reign on the earth because he was the Messiah. And then they got to see this humanity of him, this grace in him, this mercy in him to forgive this woman and the shame and the guilt she must have felt in front of that crowd. And I think it was those moments that drew them closer to Jesus. You know, and... and, and I'd be hard-pressed to say that me being a Christian even today and doing the things that, you know, I might be guilty of. And I bet even if I had to think about it, because you read the Bible, you go through scriptures, man. The disciples did some crazy stuff sometimes, you know, and, and they didn't believe quite the things they could do and perform. And, but I'll bet even they were like when they brought the lady out in front of Jesus, their first instinct was like, yeah, stoner. She's in the wrong. 
You know, and, and Jesus showed that humanity. But I think we're even guilty of that to this day, of our hypocrisy of wanting to sh- condemn somebody. Here I am, you know, forgetting where I came from, you know. And so I think we're all guilty of that. And I think um, even though we've had this invite to follow Jesus, I think sometimes we're also guilty of being a little like Peter, you know. Have you ever been in that moment, you know, where you believe until you're in a situation where, you, you know, I kind of act like I don't believe, you know. You ever been there? I mean, come on, come on, man. I've been there, you know. I believe in Jesus, and then I get in a situation, ah, maybe I act like I don't really believe right now, you know. So, and, I, and he's like, what are you talking about, Richard? And he's like, well, kind of think about the story of Peter, right? I mean, the guy that I'm going to build my church on, this is my stone, I'm my foundation. And it, Peter was a little wheels off, man, but... You know, he gets to walk beside Jesus. He gets to live a life with Jesus. He gets to do, see all the miracles, all the grace, all the humanity, everything about it. But when it gets close to the end of Jesus' time, right, he tells Peter, hey, he starts telling all his boys, hey, my time is coming to a close. It's going to be my time's coming up here soon. And you guys need to understand that. And, you know, Peter's like, no, no, no way. You know, it's like, no. And it's like, no, yeah. He goes, you know, they're talking about them coming to tip to get him. And Jesus, Peter's like, no, Jesus, no way, dude. I got you. I got you. I, I, I'm for you. I will go to battle for you. I will not let this happen. And Jesus is like, please, Peter, come on, man. You're going to be the first one to deny me. Peter's like, what? No. And sure enough, you know, they come to pick up Jesus. Peter goes a little crazy, but they get that sold out. But sure enough, they arrest him, and they start taking Jesus down the street and into the city. They take Jesus to the high, as they're walking through, they're taking Jesus to the house of the high priest into the city. And what's Peter doing? He's kind of, he's following, man. He's following from behind. He's kind of keeping his distance, but he's following him. And so he's trying to maybe, I don't know what he's thinking. Maybe he's thinking, I'm going to bust this dude out. I'm I'm going to take care of this. I don't know what Peter's thinking, but he's following from a distance. You can read it in the Bible. And so when they get to the house of the high priest, they build a fire crowd starts to gather and they build a fire and so they start build a fire well peter slips right in man he says yeah i'm gonna go and see what's going on here so while they're around that fire this lady recognizes him she says hey wait a minute aren't you one of those jesus followers aren't you one of those guys he's like no 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 no. you got the wrong person no that ain't me you got the wrong guy believe until you're in a situation where you act like you maybe don't believe you know it's like and then she walks away, and the second time she comes in, no, 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 I'm sure you're one of those people that follow Jesus. It's like, no, woman, get away from me. What are you talking about? And then it goes on, so she goes away, and then sure enough, a third time she comes back. And she goes, no, 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 I know for sure you are the man, one of those followers. And he denies Jesus a third time, just like Jesus said would happen. And he's a shameful, he leaves and we all know it's like the persecution of Christ. He gets convicted. He gets judged. He gets flogged. He gets crucified. He dies for our sins. And he dies on the cross. But he does exactly what he said he would do. In three days, he rose again from the dead. He's resurrected. Right? And then people have already seen him. Mary's seen him. Some of the disciples are seeing him. But the disciples have gone crazy. They were somewhere hiding. Peter went back to fishing. I mean, he went back to doing what he was doing when Jesus met him. Instead of being so changed, instead of just going out there and doing, taking the gospel to the four parts, you know, four corners of the earth and sharing the word. 
He's back to fishing, and that's where we kind of catch up on this story. And I'll share with you. So now here we are in front of the resurrected Jesus, you know. So just finishing, you know, just in, let me, um, let me share the scripture, John 21, 4 through 12. So it's like um, Peter's back on the boat. Jesus walks up on the shore, and it's early in the morning. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of a large number of fish. Then the disciples, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed by, followed in the boat, throwing the net, throw, uh, towing the net <clears throat> full of fish, for there were, they were not far from shore, about 100 yards when they landed. They saw a fire burning coals. There were fish on it and some bread, and Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught, just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged, dragged the net ashore, and was full of large fish, 153 but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask who it was. Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Here they are, been following, going back to what they're doing. Now they see the resurrected Jesus, the, the elation that must have been in them. But what Peter must have been thinking also is all I could think about, you know. And so once they get through eating, so in John 21, 15, and 17, it says, once they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus replied, feed my lambs. And then again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus replied, feed my sheep. And then, now the, then the third time, he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And now Peter's just hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Once again, I see this humanity of Christ, that he takes the time before he ascends into heaven. He allows you to see him, but he makes his way to Peter, who's denied him three times. How many of us have turned our back on Christ in our everyday walk, right? Only to have him come back and say, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. I know you do. But here we are again. Do you love me? And so I think it's those humanity things that God shows us, that draws us so close to him, that makes us want to have that strong relationship with him, that that, that invitation to him is palatable to us. We want to be more like him. So I started off sharing this story about Jackie Black, me going to high school 
and young life and accepting Christ and me not really be able to walk this thing out, you know. And so I kind of go through life with that. I like to tell people I still had some more life experimenting to do, you know. <laughs> and so I was doing that. And I wish that I'd been stronger in my walk, but I wasn't. You know, and here I was getting older in my life, and I got a girlfriend pregnant. And, you know, you got, people see me today, and they think this is, oh, this is Richard. This is what he does, but they, they don't know where I came from, but I remember where I came from, right? And here I got my girlfriend pregnant, so we decide to do the right thing. You know, we get married. We're walking this thing out. It's not a good marriage. About four years into this marriage, my dad dies. Three months later, my wife files for divorce. It was, it was not a good marriage. And like I said, I wasn't in the place where I should have been. I was trying to. Once my daughter got married, I was trying to walk this thing out. All right, God, let's do this thing. I'm ready. I've done it my way for a long time. I've been a prodigal son. I want to get back. I want to do this thing right, but I wasn't surrounded by the right people. I didn't have the right people surrounding me and strengthening me and encouraging me and trying to guide me through these treacherous waters like I told I said earlier in the earlier I've seen Paul and Jen navigate troubles you know at times and stuff in them and with grace and mercy and I haven't I wasn't surrounded by those people and so I went back to what I knew and I went back to partying and for so that was in, for that when I did that I turned my back on God that was three of the darkest years that I have walked out and when I got through walking that out and I got to a point where I said, I can't do this no more. I got involved in meth, got involved in drug that kind of just drugged me down. And I just couldn't breathe. I was drowning. And I finally reached out and said, I can't do this no more, man. I, I need help. And so I decided I wanted to go to a faith-based treatment center. And so this faith-based treatment center is actually was right in Lockhart. Now it's in, the, now it's in the heart of Gonzales, Texas, right in the square of Gonzales called Eternal Awakenings. So I knew I wanted to go to a faith-based treatment center. And so I started searching for one. I started searching for one. Found Eternal Awakenings. Found myself on a phone call with the owner, Jim Welch. And I'm talking to him. And what does he do? He invites me to Eternal Awakenings. And there was something about him on that phone. And like Galatians in the spirit, through that phone, I could feel the joy, the peace, the love the gentleness, the kindness, the forbearance, the self-control, all those things that the fruit of the Spirit was, I could feel it over the phone. And I said, yeah, man, I'm coming. And so I accepted the invite to go out to Eternal Awakenings, and it was there that I got to see things like the disciples got to see. I saw some little few miracles, my personal miracles, and then I got to see the humanity of God. And so... And I'll share one of those, a couple of those things. So when I was there, I said my dad passed away in 99. I was there in 2003. And I often wonder while I was there, I wonder what my dad would think of this. I wonder what we think about me being here in a treatment center, man. And so as I was having this conversation with somebody, I went to lunch that day in Lockhart, Texas, at Lockhart Barbecue. And I'm sitting there eating lunch, you know, just sitting there having lunch. And there's a couple behind me talking, and they're trying to figure out, how do I get back to Dallas? We don't know. We just came off of here. Somebody told us about this barbecue place, and now we're trying to find our way back to Dallas. Anybody know? So I'm listening to them talk, right? And I'm thinking, maybe I should share with them. And I mean, I'm from Dallas. I can give them the directions. And I thought, nah, I don't want to do that. 
So I finish eating, put my stuff away, and I start walking out the door, and then something said, no, you need to go tell them. So I turn around, I go tell them, hey, overheard you talking. So I'm from Dallas. I can tell you exactly the highways, how to get there. He goes, oh, yeah, because somebody told us about this. We were at a Knights of Columbus meeting in Houston. I told you I was born and raised Catholic, man. My dad was in the fourth degree night. You know, he was a grand knight. He was a state deputy. So I'm like, oh, Knights of Columbus. My dad's a grand. My dad's a Knights of Columbus. I said, member of the 3008 council in Lubbock, Texas. Guy goes, 3008, that's my council. Who's your dad? I tell him, Ralph Armenta. He says, Ralph Armenta. And his wife leans over and he goes, you know, glorious husband. And that guy stood up out of that booth at attention. Ralph Armenta. That man is my mentor. He means the world to me. And he just went on and on about my dad. And I thought, in that moment, I thought, wow, I was just having this conversation about my dad. Wondering if he was, what he would think about me being here. And that encounter, and that man going on about my dad, I thought, he is proud of me. He's glad I came here. He's glad I'm taking care of myself and handling this. That's just one of the things. So I got to see this side of Jesus perform this miracle for me because to me that was a miracle. So the second thing that happened to me out there was a guy invites me. Like I said, it's a series of invites. All our walk with Christ is an invitation. And this guy invites me out to the house of prayer in Lockhart, Texas. He plays guitar. You know, he wants me to come out and watch them worship and stuff and I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, I'll go. And so I go to the house of prayer, and it's just him and another guy, and they're talking, and they're tuning up their instruments, and I'm walking around checking out artifacts in this place, and, and I get to this spot in the house of prayer, and I'm standing in front of this painting. And in this painting, like I said, I was born and raised Catholic. This person looks like a saint to me because they got a long white robe on and they got long hair, right? So this cross in this painting, this painting, this cross is planted in the middle of the ocean. No land you can see, just big waves crashing on it. And that person is hanging on the cross, strung out horizontal like a flag. And I'm like, wow, I didn't say anything to anybody. I sat there looking at that painting, and on that painting, there's, underneath that painting was a shelf of and it had a jar of anointing oil on it. And I stood there while I'm in this treatment center, looking at this painting. All right, God, if you're real, if you want to know what I want, I'll tell you what I want. I want to be anointed with that oil right there on that shelf. That's what I want. And I thought all this in my head as I'm standing there staring at this painting. And then I walked off. And I start walking around the place. Now more people start filing in. They start tuning up their instruments. Next thing I know, they're starting worship. And so I sit down on a love seat right below that painting. And I'm sitting there. And I'm just kind of chilling out, listening to the music. And then I lean my head back, kind of listen. And I look around. And the lady walks in in the back corner door. And she comes and she kneels here, just prays. She goes over here, kneels and prays. She goes over there. And I just, that time I just lean my head back. And now I'm just listening to the worship music, and I'm getting into this. And as I'm sitting there with my head back on that sofa, I'm sitting there leaning back, and the next thing I feel is this tap on my shoulder. And I look up, and that lady that came in late and is kneeling all over the place praying, she's over me, and she goes, would you come with me? 
And she grabbed that oil off of that shelf. And she said, God has asked me to anoint you with this oil. I'm like, what? What? And she takes me to the corner of the room. And she prays over me. And she anoints my head, my hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears. She anoints everything. And I'm sitting there thinking, what? That is a God that we serve. He sees us in our best time. He sees us in our worst time. He knows your heart's desire. But one thing he'll never do is once you accept that invitation for him to come into your life, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And he will always be there for you. Once again, he's a just God. 100% just. I was in a treatment center. There are consequences for your actions, but he is 100% merciful. So as I sit here today and I stand, I say, you sit here today, I should say. And I stand here today with this honor of being able to share a message with you. How could I not share with you the invitations that I received in life to go to young life? To, to you know, to, to go to eternal awakenings and, and the things that I got to see, the miracles that I got to see, my personal miracles, but to see the humanity of Christ. And so the few little st- scriptures I share with you today. Think about that. Think about what God has meant to you, what God has done for you, where he has brought you from to where you are today. You might not be the person you want to be today, but maybe you're not the person you used to be when you found Jesus. And that's the keys. We keep walking this thing out. I mean, born again is born again, man. I look at this thing and... Why would I ever be in my Christianity, meet somebody new in their face and condemn them for their stumbles? I've been at this thing for a while now following Jesus and I still stumble. Right. And so why? I mean, we got to understand born again. I look at it. It's like seeing a baby roll from a back to a belly, get on all fours, grab furniture, learn how to stand. That's what it's about. And so I just share this with you today. When you think about it, think about the things you have seen. Think about the grace and the mercy God has shown you by accepting the invitation to accept you, him as your life, as your Lord and Savior. And so it would be, I would be hard pressed. You know, one, I don't ever want to assume that everybody in here has prayed the prayer to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I don't ever want to assume that. So I'm going to ask you guys to join me in that. And maybe you've actually accepted him. But I don't ever want to assume that somebody also doesn't want to recommit their life to Christ. Because maybe like me, you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. But you didn't have the strength to keep walking it out. You weren't surrounded by the right people to encourage you, to walk with you. And bring you that faith that you need, that hope that you need. And so I'm going to invite you to pray with me now. Let's just get every head bowed, every eye closed. And you can just repeat this prayer. Father God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I cannot do this life alone. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe who they say you are, that you are the Son of God, Father. And at this time, I'd like to commit my life to you. 
at this time, I would like to recommit my life to you. Now, I'd like to ask you to come into my life, Father, and be my Lord and Savior. Be my King of Kings. Be my Lord of Lords. Be the Prince of Princes, Father. And I ask you, Father, to just help me walk this thing out. But I believe who you are. I accept you in my heart, Father God. And I commit to you and I recommit to you, Father. For you are good and gracious God. And I'm ready for miracles. And I'm ready for grace. And I'm ready for mercy. I pray all these things in your son's precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, if this message or any of the content that we've been putting out has blessed you and you're wondering how you can partner with us in generosity, there are a couple ways to do that. You can download the PushPay app and you can search Marigold Church and you can give that way. You could also set up reoccurring giving and it's really user-friendly. It makes it really easy to give. You could also text Marigold to 77977 and give that way. We believe God moves through a generous heart and so we would love to see what God does through you as you partner with us and as we walk through this journey together.